Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. We are broadcasting from the Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco. I'm here with two very, very special guests today. The first is Beatrice Uki from Gustiamo. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good, very well. And our second guest is Rolando Beramendi from Manicaretti in Oakland. Welcome. Thank you very much for having us. So thank you so much for sitting down today. It's a really beautiful day and we have an incredible view over the city in downtown San Francisco. And uh, we are in the midst of a, a pretty giant trade show. So what are your impressions of this San Francisco Mercantile show so far? So I think that this is a, a fantastic initiative that's going on in all 10 years. Or next year they will celebrate 10 years, which is a great accomplishment. And uh, it's wonderful to celebrate the, uh, the good uh, hard work of uh, American producers. Uh, and we love to meet them and to hear their stories and, uh, and to support them. This is why Manicaretti and Gustiamo are here to support the American producers and to talk about the Italian producers and farmers as well that live with by the same standards of passion and quality. I agree with Beatrice. I'm just thrilled to be here because I, I, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years and we're at the epicenter where it all began because the food revolution happened here in San Francisco. But what I'm most excited about is the fact that we as the first Italians uh, right off in this, among these incredible American producers is we wouldn't be eating this incredible good food that we eat nowadays in California and throughout the United States had it not been for all these people also coming to our country and for our products from Italy coming over here so that we all eat much better food. So I think it's a great opportunity to enjoy what I always say is we, we live in a global community now. We're globally local. We are enjoying the great food of, of people who work hard to make this great food happen. Yeah. So you are both operating importing businesses from Italy, but you're located on opposite coasts. So Gustiamo, of course, is in the Bronx, and Manicaretti is here in Oakland. So um, what do you think are some of the differences maybe in the market between the East and West Coast for your businesses? I, I, I believe that uh, the, we, 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 uh, we talk to the same market. We talk to the same chefs. Uh, we talk to the same meaning, same in terms of the same vision, the same, uh, the same uh, philosophy, and uh, and uh, we talk to people that love our products, and uh, they all they want to learn, they want to uh, understand where the products come from, what is its story, and uh, what is. And we we talk in general. To I believe it's the same. It's a very small right, community of very people small community, that are interested certainly. in high quality products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and 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 in terms of similarities between the West Coast and this uh, and the East Coast, I think it's in both cases it is very difficult. It takes uh, m much effort for us, for me, Gustiamo or Manicaretti with Rolando to 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 to. to uh, talk to these uh, to our chefs and customers and make them realize what is the difference between a real 
Italian product and a fake Italian product because the price we have we suffer from the competition from the fake Italian everything is Italian Italian sounding a fake so this is what we do we 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 spend a lot of time and effort to trying to teach and uh, and uh, I think that Beatrice and I share the common passion of trying to defend what is truly authentic I think that the word that is really important and what we do is is basically trying to protect the the people like the producers that we represent which are the same as the people that are out here showing their food but we're we're trying to we're sort of like Don Quixote and Sancho Panza fighting the windmills uh, trying to show to the American chefs and uh, retailers what is truly Italian and what is authentic. The issue of authenticity is very, very important. So important that Rolando dedicated his last three or four years to write a book called Authentico. I think it's very important that we understand what what is authentic and, and there's so many fake products out there. There's so many things that are not even made in Italy that they carry Italian names and brands and uh, it's just you know there's nothing easier than seeking what is truly authentic and you know what I'm hoping as well is that people will come more often to Italy because we should we we're also part of this global community and it's also very important that we all come and, and sell our products here but we would really love that someday America will sell their products also in Europe as well. That was my next question is do you see ever with your businesses or with the similar business kind of turning it around also and selling artisanal American food products in Italy say? I think it would be a wonderful thing and it would it would certainly be my attitude uh, in trying to create some reciprocity rather than building walls or enacting more uh, uh, controls and, and FDA. And it's so difficult the bureaucracy that we deal with and I don't think anybody understands the amount of work and effort that goes into bringing products through the ports and into the American consumers. It's very difficult now. Yeah. What are the products on your tables that you are most excited about today? Well, today in particular, the products on our table, the very exciting are the flowers from ancient Sicilian wheats, stone milled in Castelvetrano. And why I'm very excited, not only because it's a fantastic product, it goes back to the origins, to the Greeks in Sicily who planted this, started to work with these ancient seeds and uh, and uh, but also because the producer is here the miller called Filippo Drago from Castelvetrano from a family of uh, m uh, millers um, uh, he's here first time in San Francisco very excited he's here at our table and uh, with uh, the, uh, his best friend, a professional baker who bakes with these wheats, with uh, the owner of the land where these wheats in Sicily, oh where God. these wheats wow. beautiful. How much extension. zero kilometer the, can you it's, get? It's, it's, it's <laughs> exactly, exactly. It is beautiful. So, oh. and the co collaboration between the three and their farmers 
is really very interesting and uh, inspiring wow. because they really are reintroducing in the world a product that was never that had been completely forgotten in uh, and in, and uh, taken over by industrial wheat that is not flour that is just now sugar fantastic fantastic I wish Beatrice would be the president of the Republic of Italy. She would be for you. You have my president vote. or the president of the agricultural department. Yes. This is what go. I want Bravo, to do. Beatrice. And promotion of Italian exports. Exactly, yes. Beatrice for Unfortunate president. Unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> I'm also excited about, you know, flour and water. I think that we don't understand how important wheat is. And, and I also have a wonderful... Uh, person at my table. His name is Gianluigi Peduzzi and he comes from Rusticella d'Abruzzo, the, the pasta that sort of 30 years ago was the first one to come through with artisan method. We have at our table the pasta that he produces with wheat that is 100% produced in the hills around the factory and he's given work to 60 farmers who basically had derelict fields and rediscover four varieties of ancient loom grain as well to make his delicious pasta. It's very different Italian wheat than American wheat. Italian wheat is more perfumey. It has almost like a, a nutty flavor. It has more of a, like when you're toasting bread, you know, that kind of uh, flavor. And it's really amazing. I hope you can come by and try it. Thank you very much. I'm excited to. I did also just have a very delicious anchovy on a butter toast, <laughs> and uh, that was wonderful. Can you tell us about that? Well, those anchovies are harvested right outside of Cetara, and right off the Amalfi Coast. And they're actually, uh, it's really funny, the fishing boats are all, you know, fishermen. They're men on the boats. But once the anchovies gone on the ground, they are handled only by women. And they're these most meticulous women who got them and put them under salt in these big barrels, where then they're pressed and put in the cellar for 12 months. And I then after, I visited Chitara and I saw the the patterning of uh, laying down the anchovies and yeah. heard that every yeah. maker has their own pattern. Is pattern. that true? Exactly. Is that what they tell yeah. the tourists? To make the colatura. And then the you actually the byproduct it will be the colatura. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have mm -hmm. anchovy essence as we call it. I think it's um, it's really delicious that then they're you know those after 12 months under salt they're very fragile, so they have to be treated with such kindness. And you have to see the work of these ladies, how gentle they do it. And then I don't think there's anything better than a piece of bread with a big slab of sweet butter and a great big anchovy on it. Yum. That's my favorite. <laughs> this is what this is what when we were what we were kids. This is what we had for what we would have for merenda. Yeah, burro acciughe. Burro acciughe, and yeah. on a piece of, on a piece of bread. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> And this thing, oh, I should have learned, I should have known from Rolando, this thing that the crews on the boats, on the fishes' boats, are only men. Because I went, I went to, fi to go on a professional well, fishing. They let you in, on? In, in Cetara. <laughs> well, in Cetara. And so we got on, we got on this boat uh, after dinner, uh, seven in the evening. And, uh, and, we, and uh, we get on the boat. It was... It was a fishing trip, a real fishing trip. So the 12 men of the cruise 
came on the board, we go, we get take off, and uh, after five minutes, uh, uh, I say, well, what time do we come back, approximately? Like five in the morning, six in the morning, oh, that's great. I mean, it's a great day, great night. Uh, and, uh, but then I say, okay, and I, I then realized that I was told there was no bathroom on, on the fishing boat. <laughs> and that was it. They say in Chetara and all so, around uh, the fishermen, you go, they don't bring women, but they say that otherwise they might not get it, catch any fish, you know, so that's, <laughs> but well, I think I'm it's sure really Beatrice funny. Well, I'm proved them wrong. <laughs> yeah, we Beatrice <laughs> proved them wrong. So, yeah, she so but the, the diversification should should extend there too. Yeah. There should be more mixing of, uh, I agree. of sexes I and, believe. Uh, I agree. and ages. And, uh, <laughs> although it was beautiful to see them on the fishing boat, it was, it was like in harmony. Everybody knew what it, to do exactly at what point it was really like a concert. But it was beautiful. if you think about it, Beatrice, then I go and I see these wonderful women all in perfect quiet and silence, working with such beauty and such patience. I would peel three anchovies and I would pull my hair out. I mean, <laughs> I don't have any left anyway. But but it's like the patience and the gentleness and the touch and everything is so seductive. I think <laughs> I think that's why also the fishermen, you know, yeah. the, the, the women make the yeah. best anchovies yeah. in the world. Yeah. So. Okay, so are there any products here at Good Food Mercantile that you're very, very excited to have tasted today or anything new you discovered this morning? No, I'm looking forward to taste them, and uh, but I saw wonderful, wonderful people and uh, lots of salumi, I must say. Yeah. I mean, I did a quick tour uh, because we just started to now. Uh, lots of salumi and they look fantastic and cheeses of course um, I'm very excited with the person who is right next to us that he's growing wheat in Arizona and I've tasted some of his crackers they're just unbelievable I mean you can really taste the wheat you can it's it's not flour and water is that know, Hayden flour yeah, Hayden, yeah. unbelievable I've never tasted crackers that good, so wow. that's as far as I got. Cool. Okay. So we think that this, this event is really spectacular. And I know that in addition to Brooklyn and San Francisco, goes into another city. Mm -hmm. uh, I think next is L.A. in March. Right. It is. It's, I mean, you see how these producers are proud and uh, how they're happy. We went to the event last night, they, everybody wearing... Uh, their medals, I mean, with much pride, and right. uh, and and they really appreciate. I'm sure. I mean, it's a tough job yeah. for us who import this, in our case, Italian product, good products, and for them also, it's a tough yeah, job tough to keep job. their integrity. Yeah. Is difficult. I think the most wonderful thing is to feel yet again the wonderful explosion of creativity, because there's so much creativity around here. The creative products, the creative names, the creative packaging. I mean, it's just, and it's so nice to see so many young people, right, in there. You see the future of good food in the United States right here. Amazing. Well, Beatrice and Ronaldo, thank you thank so you. much. Grazie mille. Thank you to Heritage really Radio for having you. us. Thank I am you. so glad. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. Stay tuned for more from Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco. This is Heritage Radio Network on tour. Welcome to this episode of Heritage Radio on Tour, broadcasting from the Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco. This is Luke Schmucker from Shaxbury Cider, 
and I'm here talking to David Yord from Regalis Food. How you doing, Luke? How's it going, buddy? Good, good. Good to, uh, <laughs> good to see you. Who, uh, just for people who don't know, hopefully they should know who what Regalis Food is, but for people that don't know what Regalis Food is, can you give them a brief explanation of what you guys do? Sure. Uh, I'm half owner along with my wife and Ian Perkaista. Uh, Ian founded the company about, I think it's six years ago, and Carrie and I joined four years ago uh, when it was much smaller than it is now. Uh, and in short, we are a luxury food purveyor. We import truffles, wild mushrooms, caviar. Um, we do distribution in New York City. Uh, in Dallas, Texas, we have a warehouse, and we just opened one in Chicago uh, in May. Uh, but we also have some products that we sell nationally under our own label, which is why we're here now, uh, promoting to retail shops and, and distributors throughout the country. And, and what foods do you guys have here at Good Food? So at Good Food, it's more of our domestic focus. So we brought our uh, domestic white sturgeon caviar and our Columbia River smoked trout roe. Um, we have our organic um, white and black truffle oils from California. We do um, a truffle honey that we have made for us in Georgia using Tennessee truffles. Uh, and we just introduced um, some wild forage berry jams from Saskatchewan, which is there's so many cheese people here, it, it fits a little bit better than some of our other <laughs> products. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of cheese here. The When I think about Regalis, I, I always think of you guys as being one of the first people to find foods that I can't find anywhere and I don't know where to get. And it's like, you know, if you're looking at a guy to get kumquats or like, I think I saw a photo of some white strawberries or something like that at one point. What are the... What are the foods that you're currently excited about? Well, I mean, we have a weird philosophy of anything that's difficult to sell, we tend to jump right on top of it. So, um, we just installed a, a live seafood tank in our New York warehouse, which we're bringing in Norwegian king crabs and Karuma Ebi from Japan, um, live langoustines from Norway as well. Um, this was brand new, much uh, as anticipated, not easy to maintain, so we're still getting our feet underneath it with us. Um, but that's, that's like taking over our state of being for the last month or so. What do you, when, when you guys are trying to figure out what foods you're going to bring in, is it more chef driven or are you, or chef restaurant, tour, whatever it is driven, or are you the ones that are finding these foods and then telling them how to work with them? Um, it, it's a, a mix. Like, so for us and, and my partner Ian, especially being in the industry, we kind of have developed a good feeling of what chefs will get excited about. Um, we only work with the, we think was what's best in class or best in category. We'd never compromise in any commodity products, and even the specialty products or branded products we have, we feel are elevated. So, you know, to answer the question, it's we see stuff that's out there that's cool that we think chefs will get excited about. Doesn't mean that they're going to buy a thousand pounds of anything. 
Um, but that's kind of the, the niche in which we're, we're living and having success with it. Yeah. What's the, I don't know, I guess what's the craziest thing that you've brought in where you're just like, I don't even know what the application would be for this or what people <laughs> would use it for? Like, is there anything like that? Um, let's see. There's plenty of that. I'm trying <laughs> to think of something that comes to mind. Just because we're at the show, we, we brought in these um, from a forger in Saskatchewan, these IQF berries and, uh, from northern Canada. And honestly, we almost just picked a lot on the name. <laughs> so they all turned out. And one was Cloudberry, which sounds really interesting, really cool, right? Everything else came in like perfect IQF berries, but this one came in a bucket. And like we didn't really do the research on it till it came in, and they grow in Arctic swamps. <laughs> and you open up the bucket, and it like it doesn't look pretty or <laughs> smell pretty. And we're like, how is anybody gonna buy this? Uh, I don't even want to say what it what it smelled or looked like. But um, turns out like we made some jams out of them, and we're selling some to like Smith and Loyalists in Chicago, which is Michelin starred, uh, and they're doing some. Um, uh, just like a reduction on the plate and it turns out to be really delicious once you work with it but the raw product itself was like not appetizing to look at yeah <laughs> and uh so walking around here today what do you what's been the standout for you you i haven't to be honest i haven't walked down <laughs> around at all we're like in the sun there and we're just dying against the window so who are you hanging out with over there uh with lady edison yeah so um that's actually another product we work with that I think is one of the most, uh, has the most potential and, and regional distinctive products um, almost in the country right now. It's a country ham from North Carolina, animal welfare approved, and cured for 18 months. And just the funkiness of this ham, um, like, sits right alongside a barrico with a significant difference. But it's just one of those products that, um, like, makes you step back once you taste it, uh, which is kind of rare to find nowadays. We're just exposed to so much that yeah. finding something that really sets you back is is exciting. I agree. It's absolutely delicious. What do you think it is about the way that it's produced? Or, like, I mean, obviously, on the high level, you know, there's a lot of love and care that goes into it. But what is it that makes that so special? Like, because I agree, it's it's really special. But like, what it like? How do you? How does that happen? So, it, basically, it's done in a, a traditional country ham style, which there are a lot of variances depending on the region in the South, right? Uh, the first difference is it's done with heritage hogs, so large Berkshire, Duroc, and Chester White crosses. Um, Right now, the guy curing its name is Rufus Brown, which should tell you a lot right there. <laughs> but it's a traditional ham that goes, they basically mimic um, the seasons as if you would, you're curing it in a barn in North Carolina 100 years ago. So it goes um, into salt for, I think, eight weeks or 10 weeks. Um, it goes off into the spring room, which is like a 55 degree room for a couple months. Then it goes into the summer room, which it gets, that's where the curing is actually done. And that's done at like 85 degrees. Um, what happens at that temperature, I think there's a lot of water activity that goes on, which kind of brings out the funk um, of the ham. And then it goes back into the, the fall room or the spring room uh, and is allowed to cure for, for long months. So 
Um, it's just something done in the traditional way, but using heritage pork, heritage breeds, um, with a lot of love and care. And obviously 18 months versus six or eight months, it makes a difference as well. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for coming by and hanging out, Dave. Thank you. I appreciate the <laughs> invite. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour. Listen to more interviews from the Good Food Mercantile at heritageradio.org. Hi, and welcome to this special episode of Heritage Radio Network on Tour. We're broadcasting today from the Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco. I'm Ethan Frisch, uh, co-host of the Why Food podcast on Heritage Radio Network. And I'm here with Suresh Pillai, who is the co-founder of Atina Foods. Suresh, thanks for yeah, joining yeah, us. Thank you. Thank you, Gohan. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Suresh, what, do you, what is Atina Foods? What do you make? Oh, well, um, Atina uh, is a name of the corn mother goddess of the Mohicans of the land that we live in upstate New York. So the upstate New York, uh, we carry in, I mean, we married, I came from India uh, in 2014. So uh, Carrie was living in Brooklyn. So we decided to move uh, because I, I was tired of living in the city, so was she. So we moved to upstate New York. We bought this house, a little property. So the, the first name came to us, uh, this Athena, Corn Mother Goddess. We didn't know that. Were, so, you, were you making food were yes. you ma at so that we, point? Yeah, well, we, we, then we decided, like, she's coming from media background, culture, cultural practitioner, so am I. Yeah. So we didn't want to get back to the media, cultural, and I'm a new migrant in U.S. Finding a job, it's difficult, and, you know, the whole of the rest of the story. So we decided to get into uh, something which we can use our hand. And I have been a farmer and a food maker ever since I remember. So we started working, growing mustard, you know, the mustard seed and started cooking food for our friends in, in Catskill. So which the people encouraged and they liked it. So we started one after another. And now three years, wherever we are going, people like our food. So Athena Food basically manufactures, we make uh, food, traditional Indian, which is Ayurvedic food, which Ayurveda looks at uh, the food as the medicine, medicine as the food, so are the Mohican Native Americans. So the name Athena and the food which we are making is almost the same. What are your what are your best selling foods? What are the, what are the things that you're most proud of? Yeah, the, our most uh, the, the best selling products are the two pro I mean three products. I mean I would say the first one is uh, ginger tamarind. Ginger tamarind is uh, ginger. The word, uh, the the the, the name of the product is inji puli. The word ginger comes from the word inji, and that's where the the, the, the ginger was born in western cuts of India. Western. That's where I was also born. So the turmeric and ginger was born in these western cuts. Fortunately, so the recipes come from uh, the recipes come from uh, the same landscape. Uh, you know the, the the food, the recipe of the food that we make uh, comes from the same landscape that where ginger and turmeric was born. The, fortunately, I was also born there, so it is a long tradition of landscape or habitat, the food culture, and that we are. And uh, Carrie, who's the other half, the other co-founder of Atina Foods, just joined us. Carrie, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. So, um, what's what are your favorite Atina products? It's funny because they seem to change depending on the weather. Um, right now, I think the sweet turmeric herbal jam, I just can't help to love it. And um, it is so good mixed in yogurt. It's so good on avocados. It's just like, it's kind of heavenly. But what else right now do I... I well, okay, but also the, um, the garlic scape pickle. The garlic scape pickle is just like awesome. Now, how did you decide 
to to start this as a company to take it you know from a, a hobby from something you were doing for yourselves to something now that you're you're selling to other businesses and yeah and yeah well um Suresh and I moved upstate about four years ago and we really wanted to see what we could do with the land that we lived on so um taking what knowledge we had um adapting that and seeing what we could grow we don't grow all the food that we, we that we use but we're able to experiment with the food that we grow and um and learn about what is growing around us. So it helps us, besides that, that we want to introduce it to other people, it helps us become more acquainted, like more involved with where we live, which we think is really important and important for all of us. And you describe your food as, as Ayurvedic. Could you explain a little more about um, what that is and why that's important to you and, and maybe something that you wish people understood better about Ayurveda that they, that they don't understand? I'm, um, one thing, Suresh is going to talk more about this, but one thing I want to say is that Ayurveda is also, um, it, it's about finding the benefits, the health benefits where you live rather than just importing them. So that's part of, in the understanding where we live, that's part about understanding where we live and what the health benefits where we live are. And Suresh? Yeah. As Kerry said, that the funda well, some of the fundamental principles of Ayurveda is to locate the food the food is the medicine, medicine is the food, there's no separation. What you eat is what you are. And, and we need to locate, we have the, I, I mean, human beings are natural beings. They are not manufactured beings, they're natural beings. So human beings have a natural responsibility to, to, to look at, uh, to, to, to treat the nature as, as extension of yours, or we live in the nature. The nature doesn't live like, as the Native American says, we are part of the nature. We, so you cannot buy a land. You live in a land. The same philosophy applies in Ayurveda. Ayurveda is a system of medicine. It's an ancient system of medicine, which consider the body has a natural system of balance. And food is the medicine, and the food has a purpose. Food has a purpose of regaining or facilitating or helping the body to regain its natural balance. So all of our food reflects the same philosophy. For instance, Katie's favorite word, garlic scape. Garlic scape is a, a product which we developed consciously because we saw farmers are either throwing away the garlic or they're making the pesto, people can't eat cheese, you know. So we just develop it from our own experiments. So it is a, and then green tomato. It's grown there. It's it's green tomatoes. We grew the green tomato. We grew the garlic. So this is the kind of philosophy that we are trying to develop we in the started, food. We started the green tomato. Yep. We started the green tomato because there was a big storm, and um, a friend of ours lost all their green all their tomatoes, and they gave us a bags and bags of green tomatoes, and then they're like, "What can you do with them?" And there came our green tomato, which was a finalist in the Good Food Award. Similar thing with the garlic scape. We don't know what, you know, like, I mean, the, the farmers, you know, like, we, we, we go to the farmer's market. Farmers are the, I mean, they are in farmers in, I mean, I'm coming from India. Every, every day, you, you, the hundreds of farmers are committing suicide just because of the crime of growing food. So are in America. So it's, it's like, it's, there's no difference. So what our endeavor in our food business is how do we integrate the habitat the, you know, the farming, the food producer, and the food making, the, you know, the process of food. Um, where can our listeners find out more information about your products and, and buy some for themselves? Well, you can find out about us at our website, which is www.atinafoods.com. Um, in New York, you can get our products at Calustians and SOS Chef and Orchard Grocer. And you can find out the rest of the places you can get our food at our website. That's great. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour. And uh, listen to more interviews from the Good Food Mercantile at heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks.